Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from wherever and whenever you're listening to. This is the Peripety of Theatre podcast, Flipping the Script, with today's guest, Anna. Anna, great to have you here. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. Had a productive morning, to say the least, but plodding on getting ready for, for the day ahead. How's your day been? That's good. It's been good, good. Quite productive, quite positive, so can't complain today. Not like every day is like this. Rare few occasion, start. yeah. Yes. What is your first memory of the arts or theatre? I think that my first memory was probably an opera. I'm originally Italian, so opera is like a very present artistic form where I come from. And my mother is an opera critic. She's always been attending shows and things. And since she got some extra tickets since I was a, a child, she, she could bring me along if I wanted to. So yes, I think the first thing I saw was probably a version for children of the magic flute in Switzerland where I lived for a few years Interesting. and I remember it being amazing like I, I was so fascinated by it and that was yeah I guess that was the start that was interesting for me. Is there anything that you remember particular from that production? I do remember falling in love with uh, one of the characters <laughs> there was the um the king oh gosh this is so bad but there was like a king or something that had this very cool costume that was made with like very tiny mirrors. So when the light was like hitting it, it was like reflecting it all over because it was like the, the king of the sun or something. Because he was like the, you know, antagonist or like yeah, he was yeah. the good guy and the queen of the night was a bad girl and stuff. So yeah, he had this very, very fascinating costume and uh, this very deep voice, which yeah made me fall in love with him. I went after the show to ask his autograph and he told me that I was his darling in German, which was very, <laughs> which was very sweet. And that's, yeah, that's the main memory I have of that night. Is, so would you say that the arts then became an integral part of your childhood if your mother's sort of a opera critic? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I used to sing as part of a, a, a lyrical choir uh, and I've been singing with them for for about 10 years since I was like in primary school up to the first years of high school and back then I like I took part in a few productions uh, during the opera festival at the arena in Verona because there are a few operas I think it, there were Carmen and Tosca that have a small bits in which there is like a children's choir so my like academy got selected so for a few years I was like singing in the arena with a bunch of little kids with very cool costumes and, and it was very exciting and uh, yeah so I guess from from then on I I started to to be attracted to it uh, I took some acting classes later on but it was most mostly just for like my own like for for fun or something because mm -hmm. I never I've never seen myself as a possible actress or anything I don't like yeah. to be on stage let's say <laughs> But there's the singing ability there that must be interesting. Yeah, there was, there was. No, there was. It's been really, it's been a really, really big part of, of me when I, like later on when I left this choir, this like singing academy, I started practicing solo singing, mm -hmm. uh, taking classes and everything. And then later on during my uni years, I was just 
I put together like a small duo with another guy playing the guitar and I was just singing in like restaurants and stuff as a part-time job but it was it was very nice I mean it made it more serious than just singing under the shower or something yeah I mean there's a difference there isn't there between singing under a shower and making it part of your living part of your, your identity it really is it really is when you have to understand that you're waking up one morning and you have no voice at all and you have to sing that night yeah. and you're like oh my god how am I gonna do it and you just like take seven different kinds of pills just to boost your voice back up or something but yeah. that's the fun part I mean when you survive the night I don't know so when but I haven't the- been doing that lately sorry uh, no when I was just going to say when did the transition come from opera and singing into the theatre it didn't really happen I mean there was no transition properly I've just always been fascinated in the arts like all together so mm-hmm. When I was a child, in my family, it was the, you know, the hobbies were like, you have to practice one physical activity, like a sport, and you can do something artistic if you really want to. I mean, that was my father's side. He's less artistic than my mother, of course. He was totally down for me doing acting, singing and whatever. But I hate sports. I mean, I hated sports and physical activities all my life. So for me, I mean, the ideal leisure time would have been just singing classes, guitar classes, acting classes. So I wouldn't say there was like a division because even when I started singing, it was like already in a theatrical Mm. sort of environment. So it soon became singing and acting or moving on stage or being part of of an artistic production in some way. So then later on, the fact that I just decided to do some acting or some drama classes was just, I guess, a like a natural evolution of that I mean and everything that came after I the writing was like something that I've also always enjoyed doing and that slowly I mean connected to these other interests talking about the writing there was there a transition from saying I'm being an actor a singer and a writer to actually being more just writing based yeah I guess there was a moment in which I just I did all these activities and then I guess during my teenage years, I just understood that they were hobbies. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the singing, the acting, it, they were all things that I enjoyed doing, but that I didn't really feel very good at, to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, and the writing was something different because... Well, in Italy, there is a very big part of like high school and everything on to develop, you know, fictional writing or like to really you're given you are, are given occasions in which you can really like write a story or something. Yeah. And I remember participating in a few like writing competition of like creative writing or fictional writing uh, competitions. So I did kind of discover then that I really enjoyed writing and that apparently I was not too bad at it. So yeah, I tried to write a novel when I was like 16 which of course lasted and like it was an effort that lasted during like one set of summer of like um, Christmas holidays and then when school started again I was like yeah I'm I'm not gonna be able to keep this going But yeah, it it made me think, it always made me think of like, I mean, it kind of brought up to me the fact that I wanted to write for a living. I mean, the the idea would have been, the dream would have been to be able to write for a living one day. And I didn't really mind whether it would be, you know, writing novels or just writing stories or for a really good part of my life, I thought I wanted to be a screenwriter. I don't know, I think I might still want to be a screenwriter one day. And so I just started like all my decisions 
that I took later on for my, like all my academical choices, let's say, were like leading me towards screenwriting at the beginning. But then when I moved, I was living in Verona. And then after high school, I moved to another city in Italy, Genova, where I am originally from. Yeah. And, uh, and there I did my bachelor in literature, music and performance, which was a university, which was, which had subjects that were closer to the arts and like performing arts, fine arts and cinema and all together. And then during that, I took so many classes and so many courses that were theater related. And then I remember having this teacher, this lecturer being like, everything comes from here, like theater is what is at the base of all the other performing arts and it it wasn't she didn't say that you know to zomchus or anything but she really meant it i mean historically yeah. there is something in the act of you know in theater itself yeah. and that really like opened my eyes somehow and i and i got so fascinated and i was like reading all this you know all the classic Greek tragedies that you read in during your bachelor and everything. And I was so fascinated and in love with them. And like, and how amazing these people were writing this stuff already back then. And, and then I just thought, I don't think I could ever write for like, you know, any artistic form if I don't at least challenge myself into writing for theater because that's the base so for me yeah then I just when I decided to move to London to like attend the masters in playwriting I guess that that was the reason that made me make that decision is the sort of one thing that you learn from university whether it be from sort of your own individual practice or from your teachers there that you, you've sort of taken on board and it's sort of shaped your practice uh, yeah definitely well I think first of all what I've learned from university is that it's it's okay to have multiple interests if mm -hmm. that makes sense I think it's what I got was the fact that I was so many times feeling overwhelmed by the fact that so many things interested me at the same time and I felt like I couldn't be excellent in any of them I could be very good maybe mm -hmm. at many of them but I couldn't you know excel in like and that is very like it's a tricky mechanism because then you feel like you cannot you know you can't feel fulfilled with your hard work or whatever so I guess that that was one of the main things that it's it's okay to be interested in multiple things because you can then choose to focus on one specific thing right now but it doesn't mean that you need to just throw away all the rest you can just put it on the side and then take it back later or you know in another yeah. moment so I think that for me was one thing and the other that I I guess I learned during mostly my master's here in London during which I had to write a full-length play by the end of my master as my dissertation project of course that put a lot of pressure in having a set date in which you are meant to deliver something which is not just an, ass an essay or some piece of academical writing but it's like something creative something that is yours it's like yeah. you on paper and that is putting a lot of pressure a lot of anxiety so whenever you don't feel like writing whenever you feel like you have nothing to say you feel like you're failing in some way and that you won't be able to complete your task or whatever but yeah I guess that that situation brought me to be a little bit more understanding with myself and to the fact that the creative process is different for everyone and and that is not as simple 
and like defined as it is on paper sometimes. So I think it's good to be understanding with yourself and just give yourself time to find the right words to say whatever it is you want to say. Talk us through your creative process then. What is Anna's creative process? I don't know. I don't I don't know if I have enough experience to call whatever I do creative process. I guess I just I just find something that is interesting for me, something that is touching me, um, moving me, and that I think could move other people. And then I just put that on the side for a bit, see if it stays there, if it's an idea that sinks, or if it's just something that gets lost in the midst of like ideas and thoughts and dreams and whatever. And if it's still there, then I try to play with it. Maybe I try to write something without like a defined format or anything, and then I see where that takes me I mean it's a bit weird but it's very much I'm not very much someone who plans ahead I mean I am in real life I am not managing to plan ahead my writing so it's and I'm gonna write something or I'm gonna write something about this I have no idea of what is gonna come out of it which is always a bit like a bit scary and thrilling at the same time but it's it's always I I don't know I can't explain that but it's always like the writing that takes me somewhere more than me taking the writing somewhere so then I of course do some research depending on the project or what I want to write about more research less research what kind of research depends but I do like to like incorporate all kinds of things so not just reading essays or only reading plays or only reading novels I am very much interested in including as much as I can from so many different like artistic forms or even non-artistic forms to just speak with people and hear different opinions about like a subject that I want to explore of people who have nothing to do with the art people who are very much you know included or like part of the artistic environment and I feel like I usually tend to write about things that I think should be said I just feel like when there is nothing important kind of like of course uh, consider the word like in italics or whatever but if I don't have anything important to say then I will probably not write so for example during the past lockdown more or less from November till April, May, I've had quite a dark time, let's say, in my creative process or whatever, because I just felt like there was nothing worth saying from my perspective, because I don't know, the boredom, the frustration, the fact of missing my family and friends, I have no idea. But I just felt like I I had nothing important to say and my like inspiration or anything just couldn't go anywhere. And as I said before, my writing couldn't take me anywhere. So it just didn't flow. It just didn't exist, let's say. Every writer sort of struggles with those moments, I think, in their career, those sort of writing block moments. And it's I think it's how a writer deals with it. So I think what you're trying to say is sometimes if you leave an idea by itself, it'll manifest into something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it does. And yeah, and I think in general, I mean, whoever writes and whoever likes writing will do that, I think, mostly because of passion. If you're not forced into writing something, it will usually come. Creative writing, I think, mostly will come because one is passionate about it. And because it's a passion, I think we should try to leave us alone, you know, with it sometimes. So if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. And there is nothing wrong with it or you are not a... 
it's not like you're not able to write anymore and you have like your inspirational vein has died or dried or I don't know it's I I think that was my biggest challenge over this month of drought to just understand that it will come and go all my life and that I just need to accept it as soon as I can in order to live like a pretty quality of orientated life and not to let this take me down any every time it happens so I guess the main thing is just to be yeah understanding and yeah gentle gentle with ourselves and our creative process whatever that is the first time that it hits us that sort of writer's block that sort of creative block it it does become a scary time because you think oh my god I can't create any new work now but it's it's understanding that it is temporary it comes and goes exactly exactly the question that i always ask when we get sort of international guests upon is what do you think is the main difference between london theatre or the british theatre and european theatre so in your case sort of italian theatre well first of all i think that uh, like the theatre in the uk i i mean i will say uk because i i hope that the rest of you know the uk is like kind of acting like london so that the audiences want to have theater as part of their you know free time their like life and i'm not saying that in italy that is not the case but theater is for sure less uh how can i say it's less uh evaluated i guess it's less valued as like an as like a device to you know say things and like be get it become aware of things so yes theater in italy is not like an industry that is going well at all people are not going to theater like old people or older people might be going to opera shows and everything or you know to see theater i have also i also have to say that there are very few companies in italy that are doing contemporary theater that are actually getting new writing uh and that are interested in hearing what people that live today have to say about things so 90 percent of theater in italy is based on adaptations of past plays and you will have all cities in italy that will do one adaptation of the truffle by Moliere and then you will have uh, some uh, Greek tragedies and then you will have a bit of Shakespeare somewhere which is amazing I mean I love watching all those shows but at the same time you don't have the alternative you don't know what people are thinking now and what they need to tell now so that was very fascinating for me when I came to London that I just saw there were so many opportunities for people like me or you know young writers and just you know writers that are living the age of today to be able to write something send it to a theater and have you know the one percent possibility okay but to get that produced or selected or read or you know to share that kind of writing with the audience which in italy is really really hard it's much much harder to uh, to do Give us a rough guidance then towards sort of this work that you've sort of created. I was very lucky. I mean, I had a very positive start when I came uh, to London because I moved here in September 2019. And in October, I went with like the my classmates from my playwriting class to watch a production at Theatre 503 in uh, London. And they have this amazing thing that I don't know if they're doing it now. Again, I should check it out actually. But they have this writer's night in which you can you know watch a performance and after 
afterwards write a 10 minute piece, yeah. theatrical piece, a 10 minute play, somehow in response to what you've seen. It doesn't have to, to be the same theme, same format, nothing yeah. at all. It just needs to have been inspired by that. And then you can send it to the theater and then they are selecting seven short pieces that they like build together and like produce in one night of like these little responses. An amazing opportunity because if you are selected, they're pairing you up with like actors and directors and then you just have this one week time to produce this 10 minutes to like rehearse sorry this 10 minutes mm. thing and then you know have it produced I was really lucky because I went for the first time to watch a show and then uh, as like a class assignment by a playwriting teacher, we had to write the response and send it. Yeah. And uh, my response got selected. So that was very, very lucky because I mean, right from the start, it was like a good opportunity for me to like just collaborate with uh, an amazing director uh, who is actually working for Paint Plot. It was such a good collaboration that eventually it, it brought me to extend that 10 minutes piece into my first one act play that hasn't been produced yet and I don't know if it will and when it will be because it's very very personal it's like about my um, grandmother's sister uh, life basically she's 95 now and it was kind of a I don't know something about her that I feel is very intimate and very connected to me as well and to my grandmother and to my family and everything so I need to find the perfect people to produce that with but yeah after that that was just a good start and then I just collaborated in a few different things I sent my application for uh, the virtual collaborators festival that took place in August uh, and it was like a, a festival digitally based but again they paired me up with a group of like actors and a director and everything to like create a piece uh, from scratch which was really really nice because we actually it was like a proper devised performance. It was something that we built up together. I wrote the script, but it was very, very collaborative. Other times I've just, you know, presented some of my short plays or scripts for different call outs, you know, of different nature. One of these was like for a scratching night in September. And I've collaborated with, again, a very nice, very, very well-managed team of actors and a director. Yeah, and then I, I worked with some, with some more actors and people that I had to kind of find myself at the end when was it in August we had to do like a short showcase of our dissertation place of like yeah. showcasing an extract of our place and I just had been talking with this friend who is a director and everything and wrote this full-length play that had main characters who were the main character was a girl who is like living in an English-speaking country but doesn't have English whose first language is not English basically yeah. so I had a very specific kind of of actor that I wanted and I didn't just put out a call out but I did my own research and then I just started yeah. calling people randomly and asking them do you want to do you want to cast for this play for this little thing and uh, and I eventually met some very amazing some really amazing people through that yeah and then from August August September October date to be defined but I started collaborating with uh, you guys which was which is really really fascinating and interesting and thrilling every time for every new project yeah i think god how how many projects have we done i think it's nearly five is it something because we, we've done sort yeah. of audio pieces we've done half productions we've done full productions so it, it's been sort of a really interesting been, relationship yeah it's been many many productions and it's nice because they're different i mean it's not for example the first audio production that we had like uh, the dreams i had never written anything audio based before yeah 
And also I had never collaborated with another writer or anything. And in that case, in which I, I collaborated with Bernadette, it was a great occasion for me to learn how my writing could change and how it could combine with someone else's. And and it I, I personally think it turned out really, really amazingly. Yeah. And I'm so excited and even more excited now that we are more again highlighted in like italics experienced yeah. writers or whatever to so have collaborated to this amazing new project um, with uh, Hannah and Bernadette which is entitled WMN and I'm so excited for its release soon enough. It, we, we're sort of currently working on it and it's coming out around about August time and I'm, I'm really excited about people sort of listening to this because not only is the writing amazing, I'm very lucky to have all the actors that we've sort of got and the actor's interpretation of the writing has been so wonderful to see. I only play a small part in that because I feel like I'm facilitating more than directing. But it, it's mm-hmm. really wonderful to see that ha- and how the, the yeah. progress that we've gone from having this little spark of an idea into a full sort of 40 minute audio piece our second sort of full audio piece is really exciting exactly i feel like probably in some way this audio piece might even be a sort of like development of the first audio piece because that was very much based on its source on like the inspiration was the dreams by delia delia derbyshire and i think that's the first script was very much an adaptation of that more than you know just something different and here yes we used an inspiration but then it just turned out to be something completely different something about us about women about you know people so it's just for women mostly yeah i shouldn't say just people it is about women of course but it was very personal and very yeah special i'm very excited about that and about you know all common projects and i think it's it's a credit towards you yourself because you're still working on your practice you're still developing as a writer but you've been able to develop during covid during lockdown so that, that i think that's that's hats off to you because most people have been sort of so stressed about covid and lockdown that they've had to take mm. a step back for a bit but with you it's, yeah. it's it's different in that sense yeah i guess yeah i don't know i did take a step a step back uh myself maybe what i'm doing now is not even I don't know anything at my full potential maybe I'm just trying not to give up on writing I don't know I'm trying and telling to myself that I am understanding and gentle to myself and everything but at the same time I do push myself to write something sometimes and I don't really leave myself alone for the process so it's a lot of nice words but then in reality it's really hard to like do whatever you're advising and it's always easier you know to advise other people on what is healthy for you and what is going to make you good and then to actually do the same it's it's a tricky it's a tricky place no I'm definitely I'm definitely happy and glad to be involved right now into projects that are really really interesting and that are like making me want to participate and to create like at the core I really like that what production has touched your soul one production that I've seen for sure well the one that comes to mind is the last production that I've seen before lockdown which was uh, Death of England Del Roy at the National Theatre and I went there very ignorantly without understanding its connection to the first Death of England yeah it came out a few months ahead and I just I just was so fascinated by the whole play because not only because of the theme that was of course of extreme importance to like be you know tackled and spelled out and everything and you know for the amazing direction and the actor but it was for me what was fascinating was to see a show in which social distancing measures were 
heavily employed and on how they manage to use those measures as theatrical tools. So you have this actor, for example, kind of framed by plastic glasses or like plastic windows or stuff yeah. like this and really using those tools like to, you know, express him during his acting or, you know, letting the character really come through. And, uh, and it was so fascinating. I can't describe that. I just remember how deeply that affected me because I remember at the end of that production that just the whole theater, the whole room just, you know, did like a standing ovation. Like everyone was just standing and clapping. And I was pretty sure everyone around me was kind, probably crying. I was crying. We were all crying. It was like so emotional and charged with like this energy and this love for theater on the very last day before another lockdown and theater closings again so yeah, I guess that like kind of built up the emotional environment as well but the production was amazing and I love the format I mean the fact that they employed these different perspectives to write two different shows in which the characters are related with one another it, it was just incredible when I found out about it later I was mind blown I was like yeah. wow why didn't I have this incredible idea because I write since yesterday more or less yeah <laughs> it was really really cool like an amazing inspiration yeah that that sounds like a really interesting production and i think during the course of lockdown it's been real hard hitting for theatre so the the sort of little shows that we can see i think the audience has sort of been hugely impacted by them finally then the pen penultimate question that we have for today is what are you excited about for the future well, I'm really excited to see what turn will the world take and like society take? How will people go back trying and build like a, a new kind of normality? I mean, I'm, I'm, I hope things will, I hope that we will get out of this situation, which is not end. I mean, it's not finished for sure, yeah. but still that we can get out from this situation, during this situation with a bit of awareness and of understanding and of kindness and you know all those positive things that we should have learned during yeah. this time i'm not sure that will happen i hope it will at least i will try to bring those things out with me whatever i will do i mean in you know in my writing or in the collaborations that i will establish and in my private life and i hope other people will too so I guess that's what I'm looking forward, a better, better times. Is there any upcoming work there that you feel like you'll take that to task with? I'm in the, in the process of writing an extremely interesting piece because I re I'm writing it. So it must be interesting, at least yeah. for me, which is, which is going to be entitled uh, Sandy. And I am actually in the process of developing that uh, with uh, as part of a series of workshops with a residency called Radiance with the Bucharest Inside the Belt. I am just meeting this other artists spread around the world, some in the US, some in Romania, some in other places, and just discussing our work and having like a platform to give each other feedback to develop our own project. Yeah, I'm really excited about this project and I hope it's going to turn out as good as it feels now. I'm sure, I'm sure it will do. Yeah. But yeah. Exciting times ahead. Final question then. The question that I like to ask all the guests that we get on is if you could talk to someone younger than yourself, what message would you give them? Do what you like to do. That's my only message. Do what you like to do. Do what makes you happy. I mean, all the rest doesn't matter. Anna, it's been lovely to talk to you today. Thank you for coming on board and doing this.
Thank you for having this chat with me. And guys, thank you for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed listening and I'll see you on the next one.